Welcome to Let the Boys Kiss, the creation of queer ships, where we ask the question, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon? This week, we'll be discussing Sam and Bucky from The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'm Maddie. And I'm Kelsey. missed you guys we have we've missed you guys we've missed this format this is a delight to be back and talking about the boys and if they should be kissing yeah and it's nice to be starting back up with the mcu which is where we where it all began it all began <laughs> exactly the mcu and one of these characters uh, yeah one of these characters was in that so we're not just revisiting the marvel cinematic universe we're revisiting our boy bucky barnes he's back oh bucky Poor sweet boy. All right. So how do we do this? First, I believe we intro the ship. So who are we talking about today? We are talking about the Winter Soldier and Falcon, who are Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson, respectively. They are Steve Rogers' best friends. Mm. (laughs) They sure are. And we're going to be discussing various source material for them. Mostly we're talking about the Disney Plus series, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but we will be dipping our toes a bit into various MCU movies that the two of them appear in. Yes. And we have both seen all of this content. So we're coming at it from the same space. Okay. So let's do our traditional why do people ship them run through of their moments. Yes. I think like you said, we want to start pre the Falcon and Winter Soldier, kind of see how these two characters developed, where they were, and then we'll talk about they are at the start of the show and then how the relationship develops through the show. So these two characters first sort of meet in Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Bucky is very much just the Winter Soldier in that movie. He's hella brainwashed. Yeah. So Bucky doesn't meet Sam. Sam meets the Winter Soldier. (laughs) Yes. That's also when Sam becomes friends with Steve. So it's our first introduction to his character as well. They start developing a bond. He tells Steve, like, I don't know. This is the type of guy you save. And Steve is like, you don't get it. It 100% is. I'm saving this guy. <laughs> yeah. Steve loves Bucky. He's got to save him. He's got to save him. And Steve's need to save Bucky continues into Captain America Civil War. Tell me about Captain America Civil War. It sure does. So Captain America Civil War, as everyone knows from listening to our first episode and or, you know, watching the movies, <laughs> is mostly about Steve's drive to protect Bucky from the world, basically, because... He's a good boy, and he didn't want to be the Winter Soldier. It wasn't his fault, it's people. Not his fault. So they're sort of traipsing around the world. Sam is on Team Cap in the effort to protect Bucky. And so the two of them are butting up against each other a little bit more in this one. And there is an iconic Sam Bucky scene in this movie where the two of them are in a car together, and they really are far too large (laughs) to be sharing this car (laughs) which is why sam has to ask bucky if he'll move his seat up to give sam a little bit more leg room and bucky just says no isn't it reversed in civil wars is it it's sam in the front seat i think oh yeah okay it's been a minute yeah they reverse it in the series spoiler in the series yeah (laughs) regardless one of them's like can you move up your seat and the other one's just like yeah no (laughs) no And then the two of them in that epic Civil War airport fight with all of the characters from the entire MCU fighting each other are paired up together against Spider-Man. And so they are forced to sort of work together, even though they are bicker bantering the whole time. Yes. That scene ends with one of them saying to the other, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then they sort of cool off in their dealings with each other until the end of Endgame. Yes. Tell me about Endgame. So at the end of Civil War, Bucky is sent to Wakanda to be deprogrammed. And so then Steve and Sam are on the run together because, you know, they broke the Sokovia courts. You guys have all seen Civil War. You get it. (laughs) And so Infinity War happens. They're fighting. They both get dusted and they both come back together in Endgame, the final battle. And then Steve, of course, 
leaves. He takes all the stuff back to go drop it back off where it belongs. And then he just doesn't come back to where he's supposed to come back to. And it turns out. I'm not okay with it. Of course, he has gone back to live a life in the 40s with Peggy and they see him as an old man. It is implied in the scene that he discussed this decision with Bucky beforehand. Neither of them told Sam. And now old Steve is leaving Sam with the shield. He is Mm -hmm. anointing him the new Captain America. Yep. Which is where we pick up in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. The series. So it's been an undetermined amount of time between Endgame and Falcon and Winter Soldier. And so where we pick up in the show, the first episode, we find our our two boys separated from each other. Bucky is in court mandated therapy (laughs) as part of his pardon for the events of, you know, his life, (laughs) his life, the events of his life. Exactly. (laughs) Which is, I'll say bullshit because you shouldn't have to be pardoned for a crime that was done to you. But okay. And so he's in therapy, he's working through it, he has a lot of trauma from everything that's ever happened to him, Mm -hmm. and he feels a lot of guilt about the various people that he killed when he was a brainwashed assassin. Yes. Understandably so. And so his therapist is trying to get him to work through that trauma in various ways. And then when we meet Sam in the beginning of the series, he has decided not to take up the mantle of Captain America. Yes. For various reasons he doesn't feel like the shield belongs to him it belongs to steve and so he is donating it to a museum in the hopes that the shield will just sit in that captain america exhibit that we've all in the smithsonian and everyone can contemplate it exactly and so he also is dealing with some financial issues his sister has this business back in louisiana and she's gonna have to sell their parents boat because they're losing money and you know there's she did not get dusted and she struggled financially over those five years yes and so sam is back now and is like we should be able to handle this i'm the falcon everyone knows who i am we shouldn't have any financial troubles and of course banks don't really care about that sort of thing (laughs) so that's where we find the two of them and then unrelated to their ship but the starting point for the entire series is that the government does not accept sam just turning in the shield to a museum they decide america needs a captain america and so they just pick a new guy and give him the shield it's a bad choice (laughs) it's a bad choice first of all and bucky is not pleased that sam went against steve's wishes and turned in the shield. Yes. So that's sort of the beginning conflict between the two of them for this season. So we're going to kind of walk through the evidence right in the show in sort of three categories. One is Steve stuff. They're both really still triangulating around Steve and Steve looms large over this this whole series. We'll then get into some of their shippiest moments and their more emotional moments. And then we'll just talk a little bit about their banter because these two do have good banter. That is the heart of the ship, really. Yes. So Steve stuff. Oh, Steve stuff. (laughs) So these two guys, as you could tell from our run through of their experiences with each other in the movies, mostly know each other because of Steve. They have only really interacted with Steve as sort of a buffer between the two of them or because of Steve in some way. And so that sort of continues into this. Now that Steve is gone, He's always the elephant in the room because he's why they know each other. And also, he's kind of the reason they still are interacting. Mm -hmm. Because especially for Bucky, really all he had in the world was Steve. And so all that's left for him of Steve now is Sam and the shield. Those are the only remnants of Steve. So Sam's his people because Steve is gone. They talk about Steve almost all the time when they're talking to each other, at least for the first half of the show. They really are only talking about Steve. I mean, this just occurred to me, and obviously it's not quite right, but this show would fail the Bechdel test if these two guys were women, because they're just always talking about the man in their life. It's true. (laughs) That's totally true. Yeah. They never talk about anything other than Steve. That's all they have going on is their relationship to Steve. Yes. So various minor discussions are happening about Steve but some important ones are in that second episode we'll talk about this more in our shippy moments but there's a point where Bucky's therapist does this thing where the two of them are having a bad working relationship Mm -hmm. so she wants them to be more effective in their interactions with each other and so she has them 
intentionally sharing with each other. And that scene culminates in Bucky laying out why he's upset with Sam. For giving up the shield. For giving up the shield. And so it ends up coming out in the statement where he says, Steve believed in you, but you gave up the shield. So maybe he was wrong about you. And if he was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. Right. Which is Bucky's whole thing is really his entire sense of self and self-worth comes from his relationship with Steve. Right. He's so damaged from being the Winter Soldier. The only thing he can hang on to believe that he isn't a bad person is the fact that Steve, the best person that he knows, believes that he could be good again. The other sort of big Steve moment, this is along the same vein is so obviously the plot of the show is that there are these other people who've taken the super soldier serum they're trying to prevent the world governments from putting borders back up essentially after the snap happened because all the borders disappeared i guess during the snap and so bucky has broken baron zemo out of jail which sam feels is a questionable choice for multiple reasons but it's pretty delightful for the show i mean if you could have daniel brule around you want to have daniel brule around yeah it's an option (laughs) yeah and so bucky is discussing with sam that he needs him to help him and he's like when steve refused to sign the sokovia accords you backed him you broke the law and you stuck your knuck out for me i'm asking you to do it again so again it's all about what steve did he's like you trusted steve then so you should there's the transitive property of steve it's not like it's not like please do this for me trust me it's like you trust steve and steve trusted me so Just trust Steve again and yes. it'll all be fine. So they those are the sort of important early Steve conversations, though. As I've mentioned, Steve runs through their entire relationship the whole show. Some important shippy moments of theirs. I mean, they really come in hard in episode two when the, the two of them first start interacting with some, I'll say intentionally, shippy moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in an early part of that episode, the two of them are having this Fight. They end up coming up against some people they didn't expect to be super soldiers and end up outmatched in the fight. And Sam has to save Bucky, who's like hanging off the bottom of a truck, basically. And Sam saves Bucky and the two of them end up rolling together through a field of wildflowers. Yeah. <laughs> and then Bucky ends up like on top of Sam when they get to the bottom of this hill in what feels like you know, the end of speed or something when yes. like <laughs> Keanu and Sandra Bullock are together on top of each other. It's that sort of rom-com-esque moment. You know, classic rom-com speed. Well, okay. Not only rom-coms. Rom. Rom action. Rom action. Yeah. <laughs> rom act. Rom act. That's a new thing. Yeah. So the, yeah, that's a moment for them. And then to return to what I alluded to earlier. Yes, let's dive into the whole therapy scene. Yes. If there was an origin of people's queer baiting claims about this show, I feel like it is this scene. Yes. So it is what is called a soul gazing exercise. Explain to me the soul gazing exercise. So I think there's sort of a couple steps to this scene. The therapist pulls Sam in with for regular therapy with Bucky because they're not getting along. And she says to them, this is something I use with couples when they're trying to figure out what kind of life they want to build together. And they go through things a little bit and they're being bantering. She's like, okay, now we're doing the soul gazing exercise. So turn and face each other. And she's like, okay, get closer, get closer, <laughs> get closer. And so they're sitting knee to knee. Sitting inter- like knees well, not, not yet. They're knee to knee brother. and she tells them closer. Yeah. And so they have uh-huh. to scissor. I don't like... <laughs> Yeah, there's no not a better word for it than that. Right. Yes. So you got Sam's knee, Bucky's knee in between his legs, Sam's knee, Bucky's knee on the outside of his legs, I believe is the order yeah. of things. <laughs> and they have to look into each other's eyes. And that's when Bucky has his breakthrough. Where he talks about like, I need you to the Steve of it all. <laughs> Bucky yeah. has this, you know. <laughs> the Steve of it all. Exactly. Yeah. It's interesting because... Sam reacts, I think, in the way that you expect people to react to this. But there is this running thing of Bucky is not very talkative, but he does. He's like a guy who stares. Sam has mentioned this already Mm -hmm. many times. And that just that Bucky is a person who stares and doesn't say anything. And so then when they get into this and their therapist is asking them to do it, as soon as she says what it is, 
like I think she just says soul gazing exercise and Bucky's like oh yeah I'm gonna like this and Sam's like you're gonna love this <laughs> you're just sort of like what yes that's an unexpected reaction to being asked to stare into the soul of your bro yeah but yeah that's when he talks about how if Steve was wrong about you maybe he was wrong about me he wasn't, Bucky. You're a good boy. So then, yeah, of course, they do that. They're staring into each other's eyes. They have their heart to heart. And but to get out of the emotional fraught moment, Sam is like, thanks, Doc, for making it weird. And he like punches Bucky on the arm. Yeah, he, he bro taps right out of that scene. You're like, OK, Sam. There's a couple of other emotional moments. There's a sweet moment where they're with Baron Zemo and they have to go into Madripoor and Baron Zemo's like, you have to pretend to be the Winter Soldier again. And Sam is quite worried about Bucky and what that means for him emotionally. Yeah. Get back in like, that It's rough, man. And Bucky has not at all processed the trauma of being the Winter Soldier and then to go back and pretend to be him is pretty fucked up. With Baron Zemo, one of the people who victimized him. I mean, there's a lot going on for Bucky psychologically in the show and all the time. Truly. And then a final, you know, sort of shippy moment for the two of them is at the end of, well, towards the end of the last episode, after they've had their final big action sequence basically sam gives this speech to the nation but also to the members of this un group the global repatriation committee i think is what they're called or council he gives them a speech about how they need to consider the consequences of their actions right because the whole way through they've been trying to treat this quote-unquote villain of the series as a terrorist when sam has felt connected to her because she's really just trying to help her people that are all displaced so you know he gives a big speech and bucky sort of watches him appreciatively as it's happening but then when sam finishes his speech bucky is like oh sorry i was busy texting so i didn't really hear most of that. <laughs> a little bit of banter and then he gives him a you know good job yeah and a, like pat on the pat on the back or whatever and then the other shippiest parts of the relationship are anytime they're together at sam's childhood home so he's from louisiana it's you mm-hmm. know hot and on the water and sunsetty <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> and like Trey domestic. Yeah. This is there's a couple of times that Bucky goes down to Louisiana. There's an early scene when the family boat that is in disrepair, Sam has called together the community to try to get some help fixing up the boat. And so Bucky out of nowhere shows up at the like boat fixing party <laughs> and he has brought Sam a new Falcon suit which his had been previously broken. So Bucky had the Wakandans make one for him, which was very lovely. Yes. And then Sam needs help fixing the boat. So there's this long montage scene of them just fixing the boat. And Bucky using his strong vibranium arm to help. And while he's there at one point, Bucky is like, well, I guess I better go. I mean, I got to go check into my hotel and get ready for my flight (laughs) so that sam is like all right just stay you could stay with us which allows bucky to have cute moments with sam's nephews well i was thinking he sleeps on the couch at their house and then in the morning bucky wakes up and sam's nephews are playing with the shields and bucky is watching them and i think it's like maybe the first time bucky smiles (laughs) in the show and you're like oh this poor guy (laughs) what isn't he smiling about Steve. He's thinking about Steve. He's He's thinking about Steve. These kids still loving Captain America. And he's like, yeah. Yeah, he is. But it's just nice to see him smile at all, have connections to people. And then there's another party at the end of the show where the whole community is there. They're all hanging out on the docks. And Bucky shows up. And he's like a whole new person. Mm -hmm. Like he's had a whole transformation transformation in this scene he shows up to the party he's brought a cake sam's nephews are playing with him they're like fake fighting each other he's having a great time and then he's hanging out with everyone he's like talking to people which doesn't feel like a thing bucky really does the kids are hanging off of his vibranium arm he and sam hug or whatever when they see each other and then the very end of the montage and the show is sam is watching the sunset and bucky walks up to him and they are watching the sunset together and then they smile and walk off and Sam puts his hand on Bucky's shoulder and they walk off 
away from the sunset together. Yeah. <laughs> Not into the sunset. So those are the chippiest of the moments, I would say. Yes. But we should talk about the banter. Yeah, these these two have great chemistry. We'll we'll talk a little bit about that later again but there's just a ton of fun banter throughout the show early on there's a bit where when they're trying to figure out who the supposed terrorists are they don't know who they're fighting and sam is talking about the big three and there's this great moment where bucky mentions gandalf and sam's like how do you know who gandalf is and he's like i read the hobbit when it first came out in 1937 you're like oh bucky was a little nerd when he was young i like it I wonder if Steve read it because he was so sickly and then he was like, Bucky, you got to read Well, you have book. to imagine Steve was, was home in bed a lot yeah. as a kid. So I'm sure he was reading. And it is interesting because Bucky sort of had more of like a traditional kind of jockey vibe, mm-hmm. I guess, when they were kids. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Bucky was reading the things that Steve was recommending to him. Mm-hmm. And then later, the two of them end up having this conversation about Marvin Gaye's Trouble Man, the album, because Sam has recommended it to Bucky. And Bucky's like, yeah, it was good. And Sam wants him to be like more enthusiastic right. about it. And he's like, Steve loved it. <laughs> Steve loved Marvin Gaye. He's <laughs> like, I like Marvin Gaye. I like Marvin Gaye. Steve loved Marvin Gaye. And you're like, okay, calm yourself. He's a different person. Again, though, always framed around Steve, yeah. everything that they say together. As we mentioned, there's a move your seat up callback, but I think it is reverse. So whoever was in the so front you're right. seat. I think, in- I think Sam was probably in the front in the movies and then Bucky is in the front in Yeah, as they're the trying to escape Madripoor uh, in one of Zemo's cars. Mm-hmm. What's happening. They there's a lot of insistence throughout that the two of them are not partners. Yes. <laughs> because they're they're trying to figure out what their relationship to each other is throughout the course of the show, other than you like Steve and I like Steve, so I guess we are together somehow. Yeah. So there are various points where I think there is a time when someone says to Bucky, like, you're just gonna let your partner go off and it's, do such uh, and such. It's the white Russell character is always calling them partners, the the new yeah, Captain so America. Like, you're just gonna let your partner go off and do blah 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 and and Bucky's like, one, he's handled worse, and two, we're not partners. <laughs> yes. There's a point when the Dora Milaje show up because they are really mad that Bucky has released Zemo from prison. Yeah. They at first show up and are like, why the fuck have you released Zemo? And he's like, I'd need him for a little bit. He's serving a purpose. And they're like, all right, you have eight hours and we'll come back and collect it. And so when they do return, the new Captain America is there and ends up getting into a fight with them. And of course he is outmatched because he's just some schmo and they're the Dora Milaje. Mm -hmm. And so they're kicking his ass and, Bucky and Sam are sort of standing in the middle of this and Sam is like, should we do something? (laughs) And Bucky is like, look at strong, John. (laughs) And just sort of like let it happen. I just feel like they start to feel more like they're like a unit. They're on the same page in this. If anything, they both agree that they hate the new Captain America. (laughs) He does help bond them, I think, because he's the worst. (laughs) so they are not pleased about him. They they do agree, regardless of whether or not Sam should have put the shield in the Smithsonian, that this whole situation is a disaster. Not great, yeah. But this all comes together, like the Steve stuff, the emotional stuff, the banter to an extent, in like a heart-to-heart they have. I think it's in episode four or five. It's five. It's five, okay. Where they are at Sam's place in Louisiana. Uh-huh. This is after they've been fixing the boat, I think, yes. and Bucky hasn't left yet. And so Sam is training with the shield because they've at this point taken the shield from the, the new Captain America. Right. And Sam is starting to come to terms with the fact that he's probably going to have to be the one to use it. So he's training in his backyard. They're like playing catch with it, basically mm-hmm. hitting it off against They're having the a trunk catch. of a tree. They're having a catch. And when you're having a catch, that's when you also have a heart to heart. It's true. <laughs> so they have this conversation that sort of does, as you said, all of the things that have been going on in their relationship. So it starts with Bucky apologizing to Sam because while he was mad about Sam giving up the shield and it has taken this long for him to understand why it was potentially very complex for Sam, a black man in America, to take up the shield of Captain Mm -hmm. America. And 
we mentioned when we talked about Endgame that it's implied that Steve and Bucky talked before Steve made the choice to go back. And he says in this scene, like, Steve and I talked about you getting the shield and we just we didn't. And neither of us understood why it would be complicated for you. So I apologize that I was mad at you for giving it up. And then also they sort of start to have a conversation about how Bucky needs to separate his own identity from Steve. Mm -hmm. So Sam starts to tell Bucky like Steve is gone and it doesn't matter what he thought. You need to figure out who you are for yourself. And then he starts to ask him if he's still having nightmares, which of course he is still having nightmares Mm -hmm. because how could he not be? And so he gives him some advice that is ends up being helpful for him about how to make the therapy that he's going to more useful. Yeah. And then by the end of this, they have this really weirdly no homo-y, like define the relationship conversation yes. <laughs> where they're like, all right, cool, we're good. They are clasping hands and like, we're going to work, keep working together, blah, blah, blah. And then- they start to say what they are. I wrote down what they say. Okay, so please. for a dramatic reading, Bucky is like, you call me when you have a lead and I'll be there. Not necessarily as a team. We're not that good. And Sam's like, definitely not. And Bucky says, we're professionals and we're partners. <laughs> and Sam's like, co-workers. And Bucky says, but we're also a couple of guys with a mutual friend. And Sam says, friends now gone. And Bucky says, so we're a couple of guys. <laughs> And Sam says, I can live with that. And Bucky's like, perfect. And Sam says, thanks for the help, man. Meant a lot, of course. And then Bucky walks off. So they're so you're like, that's weird. Their takeaway is they're professionals and they're a couple, a couple of, guys. of guys. Yeah. Am I that's the only professional to each here? Other. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's how they come away t- towards the end of the show. Like, what's our relationship to each other? We're a professional couple of guys. <laughs> I know, you know, I I always go to my professional couple of guys family get together at their boat and bring a cake and hang out with their nephews. And yep, that's me Me too. (laughs) Happens to me all the time. Me with my professional couple of guys. It's funny that they are so reluctant to even call themselves friends. It's very strange their relationship with each other. I guess they don't want to lose the frisson of being at each other's throats. That's true. There's a definite frisson there. (laughs) Okay. So that's what happens in the show. We want to dive into, okay, so what are the actors and the creatives saying about their relationship? Is that what they're saying? Are they saying they're a professional couple of guys? I mean, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) To be fair. Kind of. So we should, before we get into this, we should say Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan, over the course of the films, during the various many, many press tours that the two of them were on, developed a reputation as, like, hilarious friends, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of. So the two of them would be paired a lot in interviews. They're very funny and personable, and people just liked to see the two of them together, yes. which I think is part of what contributed obviously not just to the ship but to the creation of the show let's take their actor chemistry and just port it right into the show and everyone will have a good time we're already having a good time exactly so yeah that's the context going into the show and sort of the premise of many of the interview questions so the first quote we have is from daniel brule who who of course we've mentioned we love he plays baron zemo he's a great part of the show and i guess someone asked him about uh sebastian and anthony And he said, Sebastian and Anthony have a very different energy, but they are a perfect couple. They now look to me like they are a married couple. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Daniel. Yeah. He just says what we're all thinking. So that's lovely, the outsider's perspective. But to get into what Sebastian and Anthony say about it, we've got several Sebastian Stan quotes. This is from press about civil war Mm -hmm. what that experience was like he said i did appreciate any interaction i had with falcon really enjoyed especially throwing punches at him oh that frisson it's there (laughs) they love the frisson (laughs) we have another quote so sebastian sam was specifically asked i guess about bucky's potential queerness years back and he said because aside from any particular ships with bucky and steve and or bucky and sam Bucky Barnes as a character has been read by many as potentially queer, Mm -hmm. so bisexual or whatever, just because of various characterizations of him throughout the years. So yes, Sebastian was asked about that. And he said, it's great that people would interpret his character in that way. Movies are for people to relate to in whatever way they want. 
If someone takes the time to think about that, that's great. I don't think of the character that way, though. But there's no right or wrong answer. This is sort of a Neil Gaiman-esque style response. Aside from, I don't know if Neil Gaiman ever is like, that's not what I think. He usually won't even say that. Right. Part. His his take is usually like, I will not say. Yeah. He's like, I, I think my thoughts, but you don't need to know what they are because they're meaningless. Yes. So he is giving <laughs> us a little bit more of his take. But yes, the no right or wrong answer is technically correct. If it's not specific text, it's not specific yeah. text. It's true. And at no point does Bucky scream to the heavens, I'm 100% I'm straight. <laughs> I've only ever thought romantic and sexual things about women. <laughs> yeah, that's not a scene. It'd be interesting, though. It would be interesting. I mean, it would be hilarious if we got to a point where movies and TV did that for every character they wanted us to know was straight. <laughs> Just honestly, I think that's fine because if that gets us out of the mode of. To be queer, a character has to say they're queer, but to be straight, they just have to not say they're queer. Yeah. <laughs> if the rule is people have to announce what they are, then everyone should have to announce what they are. Just the, the pilot episode of every sitcom when people come into the apartment, they're like, hello, yeah. I'm Jim. I'm Joe. I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, again, on the topic of chemistry between Sebastian and Anthony. Sebastian said it only took about four press tours for someone to kind of get the idea that these two lunatics should have a show that became the Falcon and Winter Soldier. Yes. And again, acknowledging that he's aware of the shipping, I guess. Another interview Sebastian Stan said somebody the other day said, you know what the real love story is? The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. And Anthony Mackie laughed and said, I think it's a bro hatred between the two. All right. So we're transitioning right into Anthony Mackie, who has some, I think, more interesting statements. I do feel compelled before we read these very interesting statements to say there's a lot of pressure on the actors in the whole MCU to say and have opinions about things that are really not within their control. They don't make these stories. They don't make the decisions. And if we are upset about queer representation in the MCU, which we are upset about queer representation in the MCU, the people to address that to are obviously the people in positions of power to change things about representation in the MCU. So I do feel a bit bad that so often the actors are in situations where they're pressed on stuff that they don't control. But that said, this is a great fucking quote. I feel like... (laughs) I don't think we're going to do this, but if we had to make like a season two banner for our podcast and sort of like the J.J. Abrams mode, this is a real candidate. It's pretty rough. (laughs) Okay, so a reading of the Anthony Mackie quote. He says, so many things are twisted and convoluted. There's so many things that people latch onto with their own devices to try to make themselves relevant and rational. The idea of two guys being friends and loving each other in 2021 is a problem because of the exploitation of homosexuality. It used to be guys can be friends. We can hang out and it was cool. You would always meet your friends at the bar, you know. You can't do that anymore because something as pure and beautiful as homosexuality has been exploited by people who are trying to rationalize themselves. What does that mean? What is... (laughs) Something as pure and beautiful as homosexuality has been exploited by people who are trying to... Who are these people? What are they trying to rationalize? And how are they exploiting homosexuality to that end? Is my question. I Yep. It's a (laughs) three-parter, that question. (laughs) I agree with you. I'm a little confused. First of all, the assumption that homosexuality is pure and beautiful is an interesting one, that it is particularly more pure and beautiful than any other sexuality. I'm, I'm really not sure. I'm with you. I'm not sure who the people exploiting it are because they're trying to rationalize themselves. Don't know what that is. Unclear. Mm-hmm. But truly, truly, my favorite thing about it is the implication that guys no longer feel comfortable going to get drinks with their friends. <laughs> Yeah, is, because, is that a uh, thing that's happening? I really don't think so. I mean, <laughs> if it is, I you'd think more people would be complaining about it. I don't know. Well, um, you think it would be a problem for, for bars, like the bar yeah, industry. Like people don't come to the bars anymore because they're worried that if they get drinks with their friends, people will accuse them of homosexuality. Yeah. I haven't seen <laughs> that in the news. You'd think it would be in the news, right? Yeah. Or maybe uh, it's, you know. everything else that's in the news these days. 
COVID plus guys can't go to the bars anymore with their friends, like that would decimate oh, the bar industry. Shit. Yeah. Also, okay, a close reading of the second sentence here. There's so many things that people latch onto with their own devices to make themselves relevant and rational. So <laughs> what are the devices, I guess, is my question that people are using. Clamps? To latch on. Yeah. They're, we're using clamps to latch on to the Sam and Bucky relationship <laughs> to make ourselves not just relevant, but also rational. Yeah. I mean, it's word salad. It's all just word salad. <laughs> yeah, again, like this and the J.J. Abrams quotes are just beautiful, beautiful word salad. <laughs> he did finish off that his thoughts about it with Bucky and Sam have a relationship where they learn how to accept, appreciate, and love each other. You'd call it a bromance, but it's literally just two guys who have each other's backs, which is like, cool. Yeah. I'm happy they have each other's backs. I, I also agree with you, Anthony Mackie, that the word bromance should be struck from the record. Let's let's stop calling yeah, it's things a, bromance. Yeah, it's a dumb word. <laughs> We've moved past it. Yeah, but he seems to be squarely in the camp of like, can't guys be friends without people thinking they're gay? Yeah. The issue is yeah. not that that's happening. The issue is people write in romantic tropes into fiction. It also might be fine for you to write these guys exactly as you've written them if your world was full of all types of people, Yeah, right? If you had all sorts of interesting, non-straight situations happening elsewhere, you could have this very close platonic male friendship. But that's not the world we find ourselves in, right? You're left in a place where it's like people are looking for any scraps <laughs> of anything right. to latch on to. And they are fed what, as you said, are explicitly romantic tropes between these characters. And then told by some that they are crazy for thinking they're romantic, right? Right. That's an issue. Yes. All right. So those are our actors. Sebastian seems a little bit more live and let live about the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, whatever you feel about it, and I can certainly understand an actor feeling sort of harassed by like the, the level of enthusiasm sure. <laughs> some people have about this stuff. I just feel like it serves you to say less. Mm -hmm. Like if I could give any advice to any of these people, <laughs> I feel like it's better for you to just be like, all right, like people, when anyone says to you, this is what fans say about you, you're just like, cool. <laughs> and There's no on. right or wrong answer. <laughs> Neil Gaiman it. Always yeah. be Neil Gaiman it. I know. When are we making those bracelets? <laughs> what would Neil Gaiman do? Merch opportunity. Okay. Okay. So let's get into the people of a little bit more creative control. Yep. So that's, in this case, the writer and director. So there's many writers, obviously, but the showrunner of this series is Malcolm Spellman. And then the director of all of the episodes, I believe, is Carrie Skoglund. Yes. So we have several quotes from Carrie. The first being both him, Sebastian, and Anthony together are amazing as a, you know, couple. A couple of guys. <laughs> really, a couple of guys, a couple of professionals. <laughs> yeah. What they are, and then asked if there were specific intentional romantic undertones to their relationship. She said, I would say there aren't any undertones intentionally. I can tell you both actors are very good friends, so I think what you're seeing is just a genuine love between two people who have known each other for a long time and are very comfortable with each other. They know and really appreciate each other as buddies. Mm -hmm. That's sweet. And then I think this is probably the most interesting quote from Carrie it's really love, right? They love each other at the end. They don't love each other at the beginning, but they come to a friendship place where they love each other. So I'm not really sensitive to masculinity as any kind of barrier between that love or how it should manifest. I'm completely fluid when it comes to any of that. So there's no defined sexuality to any of it. So it's really, I think, just affection. Fascinating. Yeah. I think we're verging on some word salad here, but there's interesting stuff going on in here. I really am just drawn to like, her use of the word fluid to mm -hmm. describe how she feels about the relationship, sexuality, masculinity, whatever of it all. Yeah. She's just like, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> what, what, what we put on screen and, you know, it's evident. Uh, um, yeah. All right. At this point, we have to 
we have to talk about the tiger photos. Yes. Yeah, so we will admit there there's so there's a scene where Buggy has made friends with a guy who he needs to apologize to because he killed his son as the Winter Soldier. It's real rough. It's rough stuff. Yeah. Along really well with him because he's like almost his age yes. and they have this sort of old man chemistry with each other. Yes. And they go to the sushi restaurant and the older man is trying to set Bucky up with this girl behind the bar. And so he ends up getting set up on a date with her and he goes out and they're talking about dating apps. And he's mm-hmm. like, I don't know what's going on. I keep seeing all these tiger photos. And I think you and I have to admit that this was meaningless to us. Yeah, this one went over our heads because neither of us really exist on any dating apps right. and aren't plugged into the conversation about dating apps. But apparently there's a thing on some dating apps, particularly with guys on dating apps, to take pictures of themselves with tigers. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how that works. Do you go to the zoo and take a picture of yourself Photoshop? in front of a tiger? Is it Photoshop? <laughs> Unclear to me. But anyway, it became a thing, apparently, for dudes to have tiger photos on on dating apps. And guys, of course, a lot more than women. Yes. So for queer audiences, or at least those more in the know than us <laughs> watching this, the implication of it was that Bucky was looking at some guys dating profiles, mm-hmm. right, on these apps. Because how else is he seeing tiger photos if he's only looking at women? Right. So... I mean, I guess if you want to really contort yourself into an explanation for this, you could do a like, he's so old, he doesn't understand how they work, he doesn't know how to set his preferences or whatever, so he's just seeing whatever is on the dating app, and you're like, okay, I guess that's potentially a reading of it. But the the clearer reading for people who caught on to the tiger thing is just that Lucky's probably at least bisexual, right? Yes. He's seeing dudes on his dating app. So we have a couple of quotes from our director and our showrunner. So Carrie said, I think we just thought this is to the point of him being old and confused. I think we just thought of it as an oddity of the times because he's so confused by it. Because don't forget, he's 106 years old, so he's just confused by the whole thing. What we were really more trying to display was his complete lack of technical skills, as well as being part of any kind of community. He doesn't fit, so that was, I think, more our attention there than try to point to any one particular affinity. So, it, I mean, okay, but it feels like maybe they could have done that in a different way. There's a lot of ways you could not understand a dating app. Tons. I mean, even figuring out how to install one on your phone feels like it would probably be a struggle for him, right? right? Also, does it seem like Um, Bucky would be on a dating app, what he's got going on? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I bet his therapist assigned it to him. Oh. Like, doesn't that feel like a thing that that therapist would make him do to get back out there and you need to have relationships with people? Which dating app do you think his therapist made him sign up for? (laughs) Plenty of fish. Bumble. <laughs> I have no idea, dude. Okay. But I do, I do feel like if, if right, he, right, I doubt hey, he'd guys, do that. Hey, guys, write in. Let us know which dating <laughs> Bucky's therapist made him sign up for. <laughs> yes, please. We would love to know. But yeah, if, it feels like to me if he is on a dating app, that is why. Like, Or, or I mean, I, some, I would say some friend of his, but he doesn't have any friends at this point. Yeah. It's because, like, Sam might have tried to make him do that, but they weren't really talking at this point in the show. Do you think Steve tried to get him to do it before he went back in time? I mean, I was going to say that, but that hurts my heart so much. (laughs) (laughs) I just didn't want to think about it. Because I'm already so mad at Steve for abandoning him, but for Steve to also be like, I'm going to leave, but we'll just put you on some (laughs) dating apps and then you'll be fine. Fuck you, dude. (laughs) okay well we don't know we don't know no anyway to wrap up with a delightful perfect encapsulation of some queer baiting accusations here when they talked to malcolm spellman about the same thing the tiger such and such he has this delightful quote he said i'm not diving down rabbit holes but just keep watching classic move (laughs) it's a classic i'm not gonna answer that question but keep watching and maybe you'll find out. We're not. Spoiler alert, we're not going to find out no. if we keep watching. The answer to that is not in there. No. So, you know, this is kind of a mixed bag from our actors, creators. Yeah, there is quite the spectrum. Yeah, here. it's from the sort of like, you make up your mind. It's up to you to 
can't guys just be friends? Yeah. Guys can't even look at each other in the same room anymore without getting accused of things. Okay. So let's get into our, our fan production. What are fans up to? What have they been up to? Well, this is an interesting one because I believe as we discussed when we talked about Stucky, Steve and Bucky are like by far the most popular ship in the MCU. So they they were taking up as they fucking should be. (laughs) They were taking up most of the Bucky shipping space Mm -hmm. on like AO3 and in fandom spaces while the movies were happening. And then when like in the lead up to them releasing Falcon and the Winter Soldier, there became an explosion of Sam Bucky fan productions. So in November 2020, which is, I believe, before... Did we get this from FanLore? Should we shout out to our friends We gotta shout out FanLore. Yes. Thank you, as always, for your amazing work, FanLore. In November 2020, before the release of the show, there were just over 3,000 fan works in the Sam slash Bucky tag on AO3. Trailers released ahead of the TV show inspired a lot of interest from shippers as they played up the bickering dynamic between the two. Also, some fans may have already been looking forward to this pairing following the release of Endgame. By November 2021, the number of fan works on AO3 had more than doubled with more than 7,600 works. And so Sam Bucky was number 40 on the AO3 ship top 100 list for 2021, and they had not ever appeared before. So they sort of came out of nowhere, and we are now at more than 9,000 works in the Sam slash Bucky tag. Pretty good. So we decided this time uh, to look at both a pre-Falcon in the Winter Soldier fic and a post-Falcon in the Winter Soldier fic to see if they had different feels. Mm-hmm. And I would say they had kind of different feels. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about these because I have interesting feelings about both of them. Okay. <laughs> so the overall most kudos to fic in the Sam slash Bucky tag mm-hmm. is the one that is comes from before the show. It's a fit called Warm Blood, Feels Good, I Can't Control It Anymore by Not Case Pollard. Yeah, so the premise of this is Bucky, Sam, and Steve have all moved in together. And Sam notices that Bucky and Steve are always cuddling on the couch. And he's like, oh, are they dating? And he's like, no, it seems like they're not dating. And it turns out that because of the super soldier serum or always being in cryo or something. I think it's the cryo, <laughs> I guess. Bucky is always freezing. And so he's always cuddling up to Steve to get warm. And then one night Steve is not there and he starts cuddling up to Sam to get warm. And then he starts preferentially cuddling up to Sam and then one day he gets into bed with him in a classic, like, I just gotta, I gotta keep yeah, warm. Yeah, yeah. And they end up having a sexual encounter. And then Steve finds out and he's like, haha, I won the bet with Nat that you guys were gay together. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it doesn't seem like Nat would have been betting against that because wasn't she like kind of on the same page via text? Yeah. And that's the, that's like the, the overarching <laughs> that's the arc, plot yeah. of, of that fanfic. Now, for me, not that I have any issues with the, you know, the writing is fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. I get why people like the pick. This ship, the Sam Bucky ship, I think in my mind can only work if you also accept the Steve Bucky ship. Mm-hmm. Like the weirdness to me of it is Steve's still around. He and Bucky are close as ever, but for some reason they're not together. Yes. <laughs> and so then Sam and Bucky get together and I'm just like I don't understand no I don't emotionally that doesn't make sense to me either I mean you know I I don't know when we're going to talk about this but like my overarching feeling with this fic is like I'm still too emotionally attached to Steve and I feel like me and Bucky are in the same place so this ship is doesn't necessarily work for me super well because I'm just like none of us are over Steve yeah we're not over it we're not over Steve and there's this sweet bit in this where Steve is knitting Bucky all kinds of sweaters and he's a horrible knitter. And I was just like, oh, my God, I miss Steve so it much. It was really cute. <laughs> Steve as a terrible knitter and Bucky wearing all of his horrible knitted goods was yeah. adorable it's as too hell. cute. You just wanted to be a fic about Steve and Bucky where Steve is knitting him horrible sweaters because he's cold all the time. And even though they're yeah. horrible, he wears them because he's cold all the time and they're in love. Exactly. in love. <laughs> That's sweet as hell. And you're like, get out of here, Sam. Yeah, why are you here, Sam? You're, you're third wheel, Sam. The point of you. Yeah. So yeah, the writing is fine. It's an yeah. interesting premise that he's cold all the time. I was like, oh, okay. And yeah. yeah. I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not Case Pollard. We're just we're just not there. 
We have no problem with you not Case Pollard. We're just stucky shippers. <laughs> okay. Um, so then we get okay. we get the Falcon and Winter Soldier tag, which is a fic where Steve is not there. This is Steve is left. Yeah. This is called Just Won't Do Right by Glitter Cake. Like that username. It's great. So yeah, Steve is gone because this is during Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think this one takes place between episodes one and two. Yeah, it seems like it. Well, Taurus has shown up, so I think we... I don't think Sam and Matt Taurus before episode one. Yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, so you mean it's not before the series? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is one where the implication is that Sam and Bucky had been close in the past. Mm -hmm. So sometime between when Steve left and now, the two of them were really good friends and have since grown apart. Sam went home. Like they were, it seemed like they were living together in New York or something. Or at least spending a lot of time together in New York. And then Sam was like, I gotta go home. Sam moved home. And since Sam moved home, Bucky's been ignoring his texts and stuff because he is emotional about it. Yeah. And so Bucky is already in love with Sam at the beginning of this fic. He just hasn't told him about it. Mm -hmm. And so Sam keeps trying to get him to come down to Louisiana to hang out. And he finally does go down there. And Torres shows up. Bucky feels threatened and jealous and sort of ends up not being able to take watching the two of them because Torres is just so cute. He's delightful. He does great diving. Yeah, they both like Red Wing, Sam's pet robot. And so Bucky ends up getting to the point where he can't take it anymore and he storms off and then he announces that he's in love with Sam. Sam's like, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I'm in love with you. And then he runs away. Mm -hmm. And then Sam realizes that he is also in love with Bucky. And so he straps on his wings and he flies off and he catches him and the two of them have like a, wow, we're so dumb. We didn't say anything earlier sort of Mm -hmm. moment. This is another one for me where I just don't understand the lack of the Steve (laughs) in it. (laughs) Well, also just the premise that they had been living together and hanging out and like doing all this stuff. And then like it, it just fell apart was a little strange right. for me because like for what reason because where we find them at the beginning of the show it, it doesn't seem like that is a backstory they no. have together and it's like you can change their backstory for your fic but i don't understand the explanation of why was it different like that and then yeah why did they stop hanging out but i just feel like you need the events of the show to have bucky start trying to move on from steve mm-hmm. like to me Sam misses Steve, obviously, because he was his best friend when he was alive. Bucky really misses Steve (laughs) because he's his only person. And in my mind, they were in love. And so, yeah, you need time. You need events. I guess you could just say they did build their own memories with each other off screen before this fic started. Yeah. But I just don't understand the premise being like, before the show, Bucky's already in love with Sam and they just need to figure out a way to tell each other. And I'm like... I don't see it. Like, yeah. they're clearly still mourning Steve for so much of the show. Yes. <laughs> That's what bonds them, is their shared Steve grief. It's all about Steve. It's all about Steve. That bastard. It's, you know, it's, it's just so hard when you're Steve and everyone falls in love with you. And, you know. <laughs> what are you telling me Steve's not in love with Bucky? I know, but he is also in love with Peggy. It's a tough time for Steve. Yeah, but like Peggy moved on, man. Did she though? (laughs) He had a husband and a family. Who was secretly Steve? (laughs) The time travel makes it confusing. I mean, yeah, that's it's unclear. It's really (laughs) unclear. unclear. It's really unclear. Oh my god, that scene though when she's old and she has dementia and she's like, "Steve, you came back," and she's crying, and you're like, "I can't handle all of this. I can't handle all of the emotions about Steve because I can't handle my emotions about Steve." It's nice, but in my mind, and everyone has their own reading of everything. In my mind, Peggy moved on and had a nice life and met someone else she loved and had a family. Yeah, but (laughs) I was gonna make a like a nonsense comparison. I was gonna say like, and so did Rose in Titanic, but when she went to heaven, who was she with? Jack. I mean, all right, I'm not even going to dignify that with a response because you know how I and you feel about Titanic. Regardless, Let's... regardless. Yes, both of these fics, I, like I said, you know, I can't. You're a Steve girl. I'm 100% a Steve girl. I'm not a Steve girl and I still like I'm a Steve Bucky 
girl. Yeah. So I need that to fit into this. I could see it. I do actually think there's an opportunity. There's like a beautiful opportunity for this relationship to be about grief and moving on and healing and how to go forward when you've lost someone because people lose people all the time and you got to figure out how to move on, mm-hmm. right? So I do think I, it appeals to me in that sense, but it really only works for me if it that's the story of right. it. And I feel you like- You have to do that if, work for it yes. to get you there. And I do feel like that's sort of what the show is doing. More mm-hmm. than the fic, that's what the show is doing. Yes. The show is about like, we're grieving Steve. <laughs> we're trying to figure out how to move on from Steve. Bucky's trying to figure out how to be his own person, which he has to do to have any sort of new relationship. We got to talk about, by the way, this is not a Sam Bucky thing, but we got to talk about what we were talking about with Bucky's therapy. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Because, okay, I understand Bucky feels really guilty about all the stuff that happened when he was Winter Soldier because he remembers doing it. Yeah, he would. And so, like, that's fucked. (laughs) He's definitely has a ton of trauma about that, even though he wasn't in control of himself. He remembers murdering all of these people. So he has all this guilt. He needs a way to move on from the guilt. I even can accept that his therapist might tell him that it's helpful and potentially therapeutic for him to make amends to people that he feels that he has wronged. Mm -hmm. That could potentially be helpful for him. But what I don't understand is how no one, including his therapist, seems to be telling him that being the Winter Soldier was not his fault. He was a victim. Yeah. He was brainwashed. He was forced to do it. He should have... A, a Judd Hirsch, Robin Williams moment where he's yes. explaining what happened to him and his therapist goes, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. I need the Goodwill hunting, ordinary people, it's not your fault scene because it's not his fault. God damn it. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. I know. It's not yeah. your fault. Cries, not hugs. Your fault. Cries, hugs, necessary <laughs> because- even Sam, who does give him like some helpful advice. Yeah, he has a counseling background. Right. Bucky's been trying to work his way through this list of people to quote unquote make amends to, but really he's been on revenge missions. Mm-hmm. And Sam gives him advice about why it hasn't been working. It hasn't been making him feel any better to do it this way. And that is helpful. But even he doesn't tell him, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Come on, somebody. Which is why I think, I mean, I would like to pitch, maybe we would like to pitch, if they do a sequel series to this, hire Judd Hirsch. He's playing his character from Ordinary People. And then all of a sudden, Ordinary People is part of the MCU. Perfection. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, that's what I need. If there's a season two, what I really want is that. Can we please address the therapy that Bucky has been receiving? Donald Sutherland has not been in the MCU, so he could also be his character for ordinary people. You could just see him leaving Judd Hirsch's office one day. I love the idea that Donald Sutherland has been receiving therapy from Judd Hirsch all this time. I hope he's doing well. Me too. You know? We won't see his son, but that's okay. No, we will not. That's fine. That's okay. So that's what I want from the fic and from the show. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I am like, oh, my mind is open to the ship and potentially to fic of the ship, but it needs to do very specific stuff, I think, for me yeah. to like it. And I think I just can't get over Steve, but that's on me, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, yeah, you're never going to get over Steve. I can't get over Steve. I miss him so much. But okay. he's gone, Kelsey. You have to move on. <laughs> <laughs> you can't live in the past. I can't. I can rewatch Captain America, the first Avenger, yeah, as many times Bucky, as I want. If you were Bucky, you couldn't do that. You couldn't no. just watch the movie. I'm sure there's documentaries okay. of Steve that he can just spend all day watching. That's too well, sad. That's true. He could just go live in the Smithsonian. <laughs> that's too sad. He's got to move on. <laughs> he really needs to. He has to move on. Okay. So that's the guys. Yes. The ship. The people. Is there like scholarly work we want to consider? A broader conversation? We don't have too much. So spoiler alert for our next episode. We're going to stay in the MCU and talk about Loki. And I think we're going to dive a bit more into just sort of the broad conversation around queer baiting in the MCU. But it feels like the complaints about this ship are in some ways less about this ship in particular than the sort of broader conversation about queer representation in the MCU. So like, you do have the background of Bucky maybe being 
not to give away the answers to her questions, bi-coded or, or queer-coded in the past. Mm-hmm. And Spring brought into this, I think, more than anything to do with Sam. But yeah, I think people are just generally upset about queer representation in the MCU, and that's what a lot of the conversation is. Fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. Yeah. And so we will also get more into the specifics of fan creator re- interactions in that episode. Yeah. So before we answer answer, is it queer baiting, queer coding, or queer canon, shall we revisit the gender swap test? Yeah, let's do it. I feel nostalgic for having done this. It's been so long since we did Let the Boys Kiss. Yeah. Who do you want to swap? Who do we want to swap? Well, okay. What are the implications? If we swap Bucky, then... Do we remember who we swapped in our Stucky episode? I think we just... Did we even do this in our Stucky episode? We did. We definitely did. Because I remember us being like, if we swapped them, then he would basically just be the Peggy character. Right. So maybe we swapped Bucky. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it just sort of played out the same way as that. I don't know. So I feel like with the tropes that we have in the show, we swap Sam yeah. because I feel like Bucky still coming in as the big strong man to come help fix the ship is mm. what would be happening there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because what we didn't talk about are the specifics of the ship fixing, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm obsessed with. In particular, the first beat of that is Sam. You're absolutely right. We're swapping Sam. <laughs> Sam is trying there's this busted pipe on the ship that's spewing liquid <laughs> yeah. sam is trying to use this wrench to tighten the Nut. pipe so that it stops yeah. leaking and bucky of course comes over with his big strong manness and tightens it for him <laughs> and he doesn't use his vibranium arm and that's another banter moment yeah. for them where sam is like why didn't you just use the vibranium arm and bucky says oh i don't always think of it i'm right-handed <laughs> which is so cute which is lovely. But also, Bucky, without the vibranium arm, is the big strong man who comes yeah. in and saves Sam from his pipe spewing situation. And there's just a ton of him showing off his strengths of strength yeah. over the course of them fixing the ship. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that I not to have this episode be us referencing just like insane things. I know we've done Speed, we've done Titanic. But the thing that it reminded me the most of is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first movie where they have to go <laughs> on the run because Raphael gets hurt. And so they're in this this like country home and it's really really hot and steamy that like that's humid and april o'neill is trying to fix her truck or the car or whatever and casey jones comes over behind her and they're all sweaty and it's you know sunsetty and yada 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 (laughs) and that's what this feels like to me that's hysterical i love it i'm sure it was an intentional reference yeah it's you know tmnt1 you're always referencing it So yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Also, Bucky is sort of the like, stoic, you know, Mm -hmm. strong, silent type. So yeah, we gender swap Sam and Sam is now a woman. Do we think that they're together? Well, I feel like that that boat scene becomes sexual very quickly. (laughs) Yeah, well, it already is implying it. You don't have a scene like that on the bayou when it's all hot (laughs) and humid and a man comes up by to fix something for you on a boat and it doesn't turn romantic it's getting sexy yeah Yeah. all right so that in mind do you think that it is queer baiting queer coding or queer canon so i think there's right a history of queer baiting with bucky in particular maybe queer coding depending on what you're doing i don't know what's happening with that tiger situation i yeah that feels you know what like if i am to come up with a conspiracy theory explanation for this Mm -hmm. some like queer person in the writer's room of this show (laughs) put in that joke and then the higher-ups were like what's the deal with this and they're like oh it's just a weird thing that happens on apps there's tigers and stuff and so then it got through (laughs) and then they go to ask the director and the writer the head head writer about it and they're like oh we just thought it was like a weird thing that happens on dating apps (laughs) right So in that case, yeah, if my conspiracy is correct, it is queer coding, my friends. Right. Okay, so there's that. But I do think all the stuff that's happening in episode two, particularly with the soul gazing, is queer baiting. Yeah. So the thing is, like, there's a ton of stuff going on in this show. There's so many different characters, and they're having serious conversations about all different kinds of stuff. So it's not the main focus of the show, necessarily. But yeah, there's definitely elements of of queer baiting and potentially queer coding. (laughs) Question yeah, mark. if you read if you read the conspiracy theory that I just invented. Yes. What are your thoughts? I'm with you. I think in particular, the events of episode two are where you're like, 
this is intentional. Mm -hmm. They like marketed it on that too. The rolling through the field together and the soul gazing exercise. It's like they did that on purpose. Yeah. Like they, they knew what people were going to think. They knew that people already had been accusing them of queer baiting with Steve and Bucky. And then they just were like, let's lean into it, folks. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the ending with the sunset yeah. viewing is pretty, <laughs> you know, also romantic. Yeah. So why isn't it canon? Because it's Disney. It's the same fucking answer we gave a year ago. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think that's where they, they were at and- We'll talk about it next episode, sort of where they seem to be now and where they're moving. Yeah. But yeah, they just were not going to do it. Not going to do it. How would we rate this on our, our queer rating scale? One to five, one being, I don't know what these fans are talking about, and five being unrepentant, malicious queer baiting. Where do you put it? I mean, I think we both acknowledge there's intentional queer baiting happening here, mm-hmm. which puts us at the at least three number. I just feel like the soul gazing thing really tips it to a four to me. Mm-hmm. I think I'm at a four too. I think yeah. they were they were doing things on purpose but again it's not the whole show because there just is so much social commentary on yeah i would say it is less queer baby than the steve and bucky storylines of the films i would agree with that but also i feel like the context of that queer baiting makes you hypersensitive to it in this case right i think we all want to know what's going on with bucky i love bucky i just want someone to give him a hug and tell him that it's not his fault me too and if that someone could be Judd Hirsch, that would be great. Yeah. Yes, please. It's not your fault. Okay. It's not, not your fault. fault. Okay. It's not your it's fault. Not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. Okay. So Anything else to say before we wrap up? I don't think so. We've said it already, but what are we talking about next time, which will be in a couple months, right? We are on a new schedule. Yes. Join us in, I believe, September 2022. Yes, exact date, TBD. (laughs) Yes, we will let you know before it happens. We will be talking about Loki and Mobius from the Disney Plus Loki series. And then just broadly queer baiting in in the MCU. Mm -hmm. So excited about that. Share your thoughts about this. Do send us the why you think Bucky was on dating apps theories. Yes. And which dating app his therapist recommended. <laughs> Particularly <laughs> which dating app. Send it in to us or any questions, comments, thoughts, etc. at ltbkpod at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter and Tumblr at ltbkpod. If you've been enjoying the podcast, tell a friend, leave us a review, subscribe. Our next episode, as we said, will be out in September 2022, wherever you get your podcasts. 